This program is brought to you by Pussy Magnets. Oh, hey! Welcome, 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 my lovely lumps. Or should I say lovely labs? I don't know, they're both good. (laughs) I'm so thrilled to have you here in the Labia Lounge to yarn about all things sexuality, womanhood, holistic health, and everything in between. Your legs. (laughs) Oh, cringe. I couldn't help myself. Anyway, I am your host, Freya Graff, and I am a holistic sex coach and educator and yoni mapping therapist. So basically, I make my living massaging vaginas and teaching people about sex. Yeah, pretty cool. (laughs) So as you can imagine, we are going to have vag loads of real chats with real people about real shit. So buckle up, you're about to receive the sex ed that you'd never had and have a bloody good laugh while you're at it. Before we get stuck in though, I would like to respectfully acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I'm recording this podcast, the Manang people. It's an absolute privilege to be living and creating dope podcast content on Noongar country and I pay respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Now, if y'all are ready, let's flap and do this. Oh, is there such thing as having too many vagina jokes in the one intro? Whatever. I'm leaving it in. It's my podcast. Don't panic, you're not broken. Your sex education was a piece of shit. Get your flaps out and pull up the couch. It's the Labia Lounge. Okay. So Laura Allen is a feminine empowerment and sensual embodiment activist a sexual wellness educator, as well as a sex love and life coach to some of the most incredible women on the planet. Laura has helped thousands of women around the globe embody their sensuality and exude confidence so they can have surreal sex, harmonious love, and effortless abundance. Damn! (laughs) What, What a bio! I love that. Thank you so much for spending the time to come on my podcast, Laura. Mm, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Freya. I, um, I'm going to break down the fourth wall real quick and just tell everyone that this is my first ever uh, interview. I'm not sure what order I'm going to release the episodes in when I do launch the Labia Lounge, but this is, this is in real time the first interview I've done and I'm so excited. I just adore what you said in your bio about working with some of the most incredible women on the planet because I really resonate with that. I feel like everyone I work with, I'm just in awe of, you know, their courage. And I also just fall in love with every single one of my clients. So I adore that. And the other thing I wanted to just quickly touch on is you said surreal sex. What does that mean to you? Mm, great question. Surreal sex, I find, is the transcendental nature of sex. So it's taking it from the sort of the science, the thought, the I go down on you and then you go down on me, the kind of the fairness of sex and moving it into a 
wildly ecstatic the art of sex you know like Mm. instead of getting caught up in the sort of in the headiness of sex you're stepping into a place that is transcendental wild messy unfair and really transcendental and surreal it just takes you into these places that ah that feel like you're in a dream. They're so powerful. They're transformational. They can be deeply healing, Mm. deeply ecstatic, deeply nourishing. Oh, so beautiful. Real sex sex feels like. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Great answer. That's, That's kind of what I was feeling as well, but I really loved, yeah, I loved you elaborating on that because it is, you know, I think we sometimes get shown uh, like models of, of sex or sexual interactions where it's really that sort of sexual tit for tat, like, you know, you were saying I go down on you and then you go down on me and then like I'll finger you and then we have sex. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's really beautiful to actually reframe that and the way that I now see sex and think of it and engage with sexual energy and intimacy is so much more about that holistic fully embodied, transcendental uh, opportunity for almost a spiritual practice or spiritual experience. And it doesn't always have to be like like that. I mean, you can't every single time enter a completely like orgasmic, altered state of consciousness the entire time. I mean, sometimes we have off days or just a quickie here and there, but as a general rule, that's the way that I like to approach sex nowadays as well. So it's beautiful that you're helping support people to learn how to do that and drop into that space and learn that there is so much more to sex than just the acts that you're doing with your physical body. Mm, absolutely. So I have a accessible sex framework that I talk about with my clients and Kim and Nami spoke about this really well. You have junk food sex and then you have gourmet sex. So junk mm. food sex is the quick to come, clit centric, potentially unpleasant, um, not, not, sorry, not unpleasant, unpresent, a little bit shallow. You know, you could be harboring resentment or stuff with your lover, your partner, uh, there are unspoken needs, um, but simultaneously it can just be like a quick fuck. You know, it's really just about getting off. Now, Junk food sex can be great. You know, like I love a quickie. I love getting some fries from McDonald's every now and again. It's delicious, but it's not really nutritious. And at the end of the day, it doesn't necessarily leave you feeling nourished and fulfilled. And then on the flip side of that, we have gourmet sex, right? Which is your sort of 10 course degustation with wine match, long lunch that goes for hours and hours where, you know, every single bite is is really just devoured and you enjoy every sensation that comes throughout that entire experience and that is also beautiful and I love that style of sex you know that's kind of um that's where it can be really transcendental and surreal and it's beautiful to have access to that when you want it although having Gourmet sex every day is not necessarily needed or realistic 
or wanted. There are other things in life that can bring us joy, pleasure, connection, play, bliss, and harmony, right? So what I like Mm. to talk about and the process that I share with my clients is the everyday Monday to Friday plant-based whole foods you know like perhaps a little bit of fish in there chicken (laughs) if you're into it like meals you know things that you do pay attention to that you put heart and energy into you know perhaps you've looked up a few recipes you've experimented with different styles of diets that suit your body um you buy organic food you care about what you're putting inside of you uh you'll potentially garnish it really beautifully on the plate and share it with other people and enjoy it um and that's the style of sex that i teach the most the the in between the gourmet and the junk food and then also just knowing that life is about having the full spectrum there's no such thing as balance life is about going out of balance so that we can come more into equilibrium so having a quick fuck a junk food experience is great do it don't beat yourself up for it (laughs) as long as you are still maintaining balance within your diet and having a healthy dose of that monday to friday plant-based whole food sex as well as beautiful nourishing gourmet sexual experiences that are surreal and transcendental to give you a really holistically fulfilling sexual experience in your life ah absolutely yeah I mean the wine pairing is fab and everything but we don't all have time for like a you know five hour 10 course degustation with all of the bells and whistles so and I think that can be really intimidating and overwhelming and a bit of a barrier for some people I know that even in my relationship sometimes we can fall into the trap of just having a lot less sex less frequently because we don't have the time and energy to like do it you know fully and I've kind of been trying to introduce I think actually maybe you did a post about this recently or someone else, but it was a food, uh, a food metaphor as well. And it was kind of about like, you know, sex doesn't and intimacy doesn't always have to be the full three course meal. You know, it can be the snack. It can be just the garnish. It can be, um, just dessert. And I really love the idea of taking, you know, this huge, big transcendental experience of sex and lovemaking um, with the full body massage and all of the foreplay and everything like that, taking that off a pedestal as like the only and best way to go about things and really valuing like that makeout session in the kitchen or the impromptu finger bang, you know, 10 minutes before your partner's got to leave for work or just those little moments of connection and intimacy Um in everyday life that are a little bit more manageable to fit in because we do lead quite busy lives. And then also this kind of leads me into um, asking you about your work with pleasure and embodiment because it doesn't have to be even explicitly sexual, does it? You can find pleasure uh, and ways to feel embodied and juiced up in so many other ways, you know. So talk to me a little bit about your work with embodiment and pleasure. Yeah, I think this is a really great point to mention and isn't it interesting how that 
when we work with sexuality, it is so, so very little to do with the heteronormative, penetrative, frictional act of sex. Like that is <laughs> less than 1% of the work. Um, I find, particularly when I'm working with couples in long-term relationships who have lost their desire for sex with one another um, and they're really struggling because they love each other, they want to have a thriving sex life, yet um, the drive is gone. And I ask them, why do you even have sex in the first place? What is sex to you? And they start listing off various things and they say things like play, pleasure, connection, intimacy, um, joy, quality time, all of these things that have nothing to do with sex. And then I ask Mm. them, how are they embodying these qualities outside of the bedroom? And they stare at me blankly. So it's not that they aren't interested in sex anymore. It's that sex has become the only measurement tool and defining aspect of their entire intimate life. And so all of a sudden, when the partner is coming up to his wife, just to simply peck her on the cheek before he goes to work, her body instantly goes into shutdown because intimacy, touch equals sex because that's Mm. the culture that they have established over time in their relationship. And this happens all the time. I notice it in so many of my clients. So the solution, therefore, is to actually take sex out of it and start to focus on holistic pleasure, start to focus on holistic intimacy, even platonic intimacy with your lover, your partner, your husband, your friends, How can you start to really fulfill and nourish these parts of you outside of just your sex life? This is really, really important. And this is where getting to know ourselves better really comes into the fold. When we talk about embodiment, I teach embodiment in a way that speaks to I feel like I want to say the sort of too busy woman, right? So, so many of these women are living from the shoulders up. And what I mean by that is they are purely operating from their logic mind. They're operating from the head very often. They're sort of noticing how they're feeling disconnected from their body. They're noticing a disconnect from their intuition. They're not feeling feminine. They're feeling very yang. They're feeling very burnt out. Uh, stressed and so on and so forth. And so the embodiment piece is so important because pleasure exists in the body. And if you are operating predominantly from your mind, then you have an, a limited ability to access and actually enjoy pleasure And so embodiment is really deeply important. And so often I find that even when women quit their jobs with excitement and anticipation of all of the time and spaciousness that they are about to have in their life, it takes them nearly a week to completely fill their schedules right back up again with stuff. So for any woman out there listening to this who thinks that it's her job 
her kids, her friends, her responsibilities as to why she's too busy to be embodied and to stop and smell the roses. I'm here to challenge you, sister, and say, no, it's not. No more blaming. You are an empowered, self-responsible woman, and you can at any time make the space and the time that you need to drop into your body and feel what is there. So when we talk about feeling, this is a completely different paradigm of operating. We do not live in a world that celebrates the feminine. And I don't mean women when I say the feminine, I mean you know, feminine energetics, which is feeling the fullness of life, being open and receptive to emotion, to the flow, to the ocean, to the smell of the roses, to the smell of the rain, to the pain of seeing a a bumblebee dying on the side of the road, you know, like really (laughs) opening to and experiencing all that life has to offer. Because in this world, we have to show up. We have to perform. We have to put makeup on. We have to go to work. We have to make money. We have to bulldoze over our feelings. We have to disconnect from the body and go up into our logic mind so that we can survive. So to say no to that and to shift into the feeling body and to operating from the feminine paradigm is a process <laughs> and it ain't easy. And if you aren't someone who is used to inhabiting your body and feeling the fullness of emotion, then it will be a process of building your nervous system's capacity to experience not only great pleasure, but also pain. And I think that can be where a lot of people are off put by, you know, the real deep work when it comes to sexual empowerment and um, even not even sexual empowerment, but just living a happy, healthy, turned on life because it requires you to go in. It requires you to go down and to descend into the parts of you that don't feel great, to look at the parts of you that feel shame, pain, the parts of you that you want to hide from everyone, you know, those things that you did when you were younger that you couldn't bear for another person to know. All of these parts of us live within us and without true embodiment and feeling and processing and digesting dense, lower vibrational emotions, we just store them in the body and they limit our capacity to feel joy. They limit our capacity to feel great orgasm, all of this stuff. So I hate to kind of be a little bit of a wet blanket about it, but it's the path to to pleasure and embodiment is a path of radical self-responsibility and Mm. radical self-opening and starting to truly love every single part of you, including your pain including your sadness, including your rage, because it's all, all beautiful. Mm, yeah. Wow. Incredible. I totally agree. And it's, it's a really, uh, 
tough one to sometimes convey in my work as well because I think nowadays in our culture everyone's looking for the magic bullet and the quick fix and we're all about instant gratification and immediate results and you know often don't want to put the work in or don't have you know feel as though we don't have the time or space and don't prioritize it because especially for women it's quite um it's almost frowned upon to put yourself first and to actually set aside time for your own self-work. And so, you know, as you were saying, we do just get caught up in that rat race and manage to fill our schedules and feel more worthy as a person, the busier we are. And, um, and the first thing to go is that relationship to yourself and your body and, you know, your emotions. And, um, I'm wondering, because obviously it's, you know, it's been a journey for you. And I know personally with my work, I didn't wake up one day and think, oh, I just want to be a sex educator and coach people (laughs) about sex and massage vaginas. You know, it was, it came out of me deeply needing to do the work on myself and years of my own sort of self-work and exploration before I started supporting other people to do this sort of work. So I'm curious about your journey with embodiment and with pleasure and what have you sort of had to overcome and how has it changed your life now to be inhabiting your body in this way? Mm. (sighs) Well, first of all, I'm a Scorpio. And it's, <laughs> but I'm very Scorpio. I have so much Scorpio in my chart. And also, um, there are other astrological <laughs> factors that uh, point me in the direction of this body of work. <laughs> so there's that, um, <laughs> which is funny because I'm not huge, like, I'm not a big astrology person yet. Uh, I do resonate with a lot of it. So, yeah, so there's that element. And then, yeah, you know, I think for myself, um, we all have our, we all have our stuff growing up. We all have our trauma in our life. And for me, my stuff, my, my sort of karmic, uh, piece has been around sexuality and relationship, um, and yeah, really learning to heal the body. Uh, I've definitely um, gone through some times in my life that have been very isolating with a lot of abandonment and neglect, particularly in my early childhood years. Um, there's, I have, a, I have a history of sexual assault and molestation by elders and people who I looked up to, um, not my parents, but other people in the community. Um, so, you know, that, that was really devastating to me and affected me deeply, as you could imagine. Mm. Um, and I know that I didn't understand why I was feeling so bad you know I I've always sort of gotten on with life yet I seem to be constantly attracting the same relationship like the same toxic relationships not I mean I've had beautiful relationships as well it definitely hasn't been all bad I've had incredible experiences in my life I'm grateful for the relationships that I've had Um, but I'm just someone who who knows that 
I can have the love that I want in my life, even if I haven't been role modeled it as a child. I know that I can have the money and the safety and the beauty in my life, even though I wasn't role modeled it when I was younger. And I was living most of my 20s completely disconnected from my body, deeply out of alignment, having a lot of fun, but simultaneously very depressed with very low self-worth and self-esteem, you know, and that kind of manifested in all sorts of ways, uh, leading to, you know, all sorts of experiences as it does. And I just woke up one day and decided that I wasn't going to live like that anymore. I just said that enough was enough and I was willing to do whatever it took to change my circumstances and to move my life in a direction that I wanted to go in. So I went from working in jobs that I absolutely despised. You know, I would I got fired so often because I wouldn't turn up to work because I would be crying in bed because I couldn't bear the thought of going. I was in so much pain. Um, and, you know, now I do work that just completely, completely fills my soul and nourishes my heart. It doesn't come, you know, it comes with its challenges, but they're beautiful. Um, I'm earning money in a way that I've never earned money before. I have investment portfolio. Um, I feel in control of my life and where it's going. Um, even when life throws me curveballs, I feel super empowered to navigate my way through hardship and struggle. Um, I'm no longer depressed. I am not on any medication anymore. I've definitely taken medication a few times throughout my life. And I love, I honestly, I highly recommend, like if you are someone who needs something to just help you get your head above water, I think that it's really, really great. And to utilize, um, you know, modern medicine for that, because if it wasn't for those, um, if it wasn't for those resources, you know, I don't know where I would be. And sometimes we do just need that little bit extra help. Um, But yeah, I've now been medication free for over seven years and I've definitely, you know, had some moments where I've been knocked around a bit in that time and I was able to hold my center and not completely spiral out of control, which I'm really deeply proud of. And not only that, but I've attracted beautiful relationships into my life, healthy relationships with men who really want to be with me, who really want to love me, who, um, you know, instead of like emotionally unavailable fuck boys that would have been in the past. <laughs> so, you know, for me, it has been a journey of um, your mess becomes your message and, I've been experimenting with various styles of cognitive therapy my whole life. I went to therapy for the first time when I was 11 and I've pretty much been in and out of the system since then. Um, And it wasn't until I started working with the body about six years ago, I started out in Kashmir Shaivism, a a, a yoga, a a tantric yoga um, path 
And from there, everything just bloomed and I've gone into the trauma space. I've gone into all different types of somatic experiencing uh, to really help to shift my subconscious mind, do inner child work, really work with some of the core wounds that were living within me. And by doing that work, honestly, like therapy is great, but it wasn't until I did that, that my life actually started to change. And when we talk about sexuality, I think it's important because like I said, it's not about the frictional penetrative act of sex. It's about the transformational nature of it because it's at the root of our being. It's our sense of security. It's our sense of belonging. It's who we are as human beings And it is potent work that ripples out into every single area of your life. Um, So, yes, that's where I ended up where I am today. I mean, I've done a a ton of different courses uh, from, you know, nutrition to somatic experiencing to embodied counseling and, you know, a ton of stuff in between. But, yeah, in terms of my particular body of work, it's really uh, a mixture of psychology, tantra, as well as somatic bodywork. So yeah, that's how I ended up here. Epic, amazing! I love the um the expression "turn your mess into your message." I actually haven't heard that, and I'm probably going to nick that one because I um I feel similarly with my journey, and I've tried to figure out a way of phrasing that that's not you know turn your greatest weakness into your greatest strength, which is a bit of a wank really, but um, it's quite cliche, but (laughs) mess into message. I can totally roll with that. Um, And I'm curious, do you feel like you've noticed a big shift in how people respond to you since you've kind of started on this path and started embodying um, your inner feminine and, you know, I, I'm, I'm assuming you kind of move in the world in a whole different way after doing the work on yourself. And I'm not saying the work is ever over, but you're obviously, you know, you've come really far. Have you noticed that people respond to you differently at all? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was such a doormat before. So like I sort of touched on earlier, um, I definitely don't attract relationships whether that be romantic sexual or platonic that um you know I just saw a little bit toxic I don't attract that anymore my relationships are really beautiful fulfilling nourishing I'm surrounded by people who see me who care about me who celebrate me who understand and support me being who I am Uh, I would say that is definitely the biggest difference Um, I also just seem to attract opportunities and money and abundance in ways that I was never able to before. So, um, yeah, I think there's, you know, all sorts of things that can unfold on this path, particularly when you step into a lot of self-awareness and working as a sex educator comes with its own set of challenges, you know, like we don't necessarily live in a sexually liberated world. And so, you know, people's projections fly around and sometimes I can feel exhausted by it. And, um, Mm. you know, sometimes I struggle with um, men feeling intimidated or potentially being judged by 
uh, people in my community and so on. So, you know, there's all sorts of stuff that we have to face with no, no matter what industry we're working in, but it's really just an opportunity for me to once again further digest and dissolve where I'm holding my own shame around sexuality and what I do in the world and, you know, people, some, somebody judges me for, you know, what I do or how I show up online and it's really just, it's not even about them, it's about me feeling hurt because of this one time that my dad shamed me when I was little for reading Cosmopolitan. You know, it's just like mm. that's what the work is. It's really just an opportunity to continuously be dissolving old old stuck energy that feels yuck so that we can further liberate and step into freedom, pleasure, and harmony. That's really what it's about. Yeah, totally. I um, I smiled when you mentioned sometimes men that you come across might feel a little bit intimidated or um, emasculated when they find out that you are a sex educator or a sex coach because, I mean, I massage vaginas and teach about sex for a living and I've definitely come up against that where you know, the person you're with, the poor thing, they um they start getting really in their head and and freaking out that you're gonna be judging every little move they do because you're, you know, a professional or an expert in this field and they yeah, find it quite confronting and, and intimidating sometimes. And I found it really hard in, you know, when I was in the dating world. Um to yeah I mean before I delved into the realm of sexuality I had all of my own issues around sex and relating and that that posed a challenge and then I got all sexually empowered and and informed and confident and then I had a whole new set of challenges um with that because then you know people people don't feel like they can meet you or I didn't feel like a lot of people could meet me where I was at and um yeah that's Pretty funny little quirk of quirk of the industry, I guess. Um, but I'm going to segue this into a little section that I'm calling Get Pregnant and Die. Don't have sex because you will get pregnant and die. Don't have sex in the missionary position. Don't have, don't have sex standing up. Just don't do it. Promise? And I just ask all of my guests uh, to tell me a story about how your sex education failed you. So it could be um, a story that you have or even an anecdote from someone you know or that you've worked with where you've just gone, oh, my God, sex education in school really fucked us over there. (laughs) (laughs) You know, yeah. I mean, I went to a really Catholic, traditional, strict boarding school. So, you know, there really wasn't any sex education. And there, you know, it definitely was a lot of shame around sexuality or like being a sexual woman and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, yeah, that wasn't great. (laughs) That definitely wasn't great. But you know what? I, I do think that the sex education space is changing drastically I mean like look at us there's so many other women stepping into this space and becoming influencers and teachers online Mm. uh you know so how they teach sex ed in schools is changing as well not all of them you know I think there's like yeah definitely not all of them but 
it is getting better. And there are shows on Netflix like Sex, sex Education, mm-hmm. which is actually really sex positive. I think it's good. Um, so yeah. even though uh, our generation maybe, you know, got the short end of the stick, I feel I, I have hope and I know that the sex education space is getting better and better. So, yeah, yeah that brings me time. joy. Yeah, me too. It's, yeah, there is so much hope and I'm seeing so much shift going on in that space, which is really, really heartening. And obviously we are part of that shift and things like this podcast, part of that shift. Um, But I haven't met a single person of our generation or older who hasn't been let down or even just downright traumatized by their sex education in school. So I think it's a an interesting question to hear. Because I mean, from my clients, I just hear all manner of stories in that department. And I find it fascinating and deeply sad and it makes me angry. Um, But I totally hear you. It's really transforming and I love sex education I think it's fab they're really addressing a lot of super cool super real relevant uh issues and that's just incredible because you know the media is an absolute force when it comes to cultural beliefs and attitudes and conditioning so when I see shows like that and I don't know if you've watched Big Mouth but it is epic (laughs) oh Um, you know what Actually, I saw a couple of episodes the other the other day for the first time and it was really good and so funny <laughs> and just like, oh my God, ridiculous. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's a really good one. That's a really, really good one. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, you know, it's cartoonified it. So it's me it's meaning I feel like they can get away with tackling some pretty raw dog gnarly issues in a, in a really funny comical way that's quite accessible to the mainstream because you know they're little cartoons and it's narrated by a whole bunch of comedians and I just I think it's the best thing ever <laughs> it's so fab um yeah. so it definitely gives me I love me the hope. joy in it yeah. yeah and like I don't know if you've seen the um the song oh I- yeah, I mean, there's a lot of songs in there, but there's one in particular, like a body positive song where they're in like a uh, an onsen or a sauna and they're all dancing around naked with their mums and mm-hmm. oh, it's just awesome. Um, anyway, so <laughs> back into the flow, I would love to hear about what you've discovered through your work and through your own self-exploration around the connection between mental health and pleasure and embodiment. And you've touched upon that already quite a bit through what you've been saying, but I'd love to talk really specifically about the connection between those two. And then, you know, maybe some, maybe some tips or little bits of um, advice where someone can begin with, with that. Yeah, great. This is this is great to 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 sort of uh simplify potentially and make accessible for people because mm. we cannot talk about pleasure without talking about mental health. Like the two are one and the same. And yes, I've touched on it before in a sense of embodiment and understanding that to open to pleasure is to simultaneously open to pain and to also do it in a way 
that is beautiful and to do it in a way that is nourishing and nurturing. It's not about being really dark and heavy and emo and rad and your shit all the time. <laughs> it's not about, you know, constantly being in healing or, you know, I really disowned the word healing a long time ago as well as the healing community because I find it can be just, you know, compulsive and can also act as an excuse to stay small if you're sort of constantly in healing. But what I find really potent and powerful, particularly with embodiment work, particularly with under like starting to become deeply in tune with your body is that you become empowered and better equipped to process struggle and hardship in a much more efficient and much safer way. So for anyone who does have a tendency to experience depression or anxiety, um, this can very often be a symptom of disconnect. And once we start to really join join the line from the head to the body and start to build a really acute relationship to every single felt sense within us, we are able to quicker recognize when things are feeling off and address them sooner. And, and yeah, just like work through them more powerfully, I believe. So Something that I teach and am teaching at the moment, actually, the course is called Shadow Seductress. It's available um, online and we can, I'll send you the links to that later. But um, it's, it's all about, it's all about um, getting really comfortable and really cozy with your body. So from a trauma perspective, when we have embodiment coaches or sexuality coaches saying, you've just got to be in your body and so on and so forth, that is literally impossible for so many women and, and men because trauma exists in the body and now when I say trauma it doesn't mean that you've had this huge you know crazy wild experience happen like we all have trauma that's part of the human experience and it lives in the body and if you don't have tools consciously to help you move through that with ease and grace then of course you're not going to want to be in your body. If your only coping mechanism to this day is to drink a glass of wine after work, to scroll Instagram, to be really busy in your workplace and in your life, you know, all of these things are self-soothing coping mechanisms that are there for a reason. Our bodies are wildly intelligent. But to make the shift, We need to draw the line in the sand and decide I'm going to put my courage pants on and I'm going to go in and I'm going to learn new tools and new coping strategies to better hold myself and process and digest any trauma or shame that I might be holding onto in my body. That's what shadow work is really about. It's about um, acknowledging the parts of us Uh, the experiences that we've had and really uh, properly processing them uh, in an embodied 
in an embodied way. And what I mean by that is not just through talking about it, but through actually, you know, releasing, whether that's through uh, cathartic emotional release tools like crying, hitting cushions, yelling, screaming, uh, dancing, you know, doing kind of weird looking stuff like that. Or it can be much softer and more sensual. Um, it can be really small and graceful as well. So, um, yeah, I would say that when it comes to mental health, if if people are wanting to, you know, really shift into a space where they do feel more calm and peaceful and content in their everyday life, they can't avoid the body and they can't avoid this peace of going in and really truly looking at what is hiding in the shadows of our psyche and of our body. Otherwise, you know, we'll just continue to go through life, you know, using the Band-Aid solutions, taking the pink Viagra and doing all that stuff, which is great. You know, people do do that. But if you're listening to this episode, I can pretty much guarantee that you're not one of those people that you do want more. You you can hear the calling within you and you aren't going to settle for anything less than amazing. So yeah, I would say that it's a journey of exploration and there there isn't really one way to do it. There isn't one method, one teacher, one healer. It's really about you, again, taking radical self-responsibility, getting honest with yourself and exploring your inner landscape, really starting to uh, get into resourcing states in your life. And that means cleaning up your diet, stop drinking alcohol so much, like quit the coffee, quit the sugar, like start meditating, just get your body into a place where you physiologically have the capacity to start processing these bigger emotions that might be living dormant within you. Because if you are really busy, if you're slamming your nervous system, if your gut health is in the floor, you physiologically don't have the capacity to do any of this emotional work. And that's potentially another reason why you're sort of stuck in this feeling of lackluster and just general yuckness. Okay. So really equip yourself you know, potentially like move to an environment that feels good for you. It doesn't have to be another country. It could just be another part of town where there's a a beautiful park that you can go and sit in once a day and watch the leaves swirling around, or perhaps it's next to a little river that you can walk along every day. Just like get close to environments around you that help bring your nervous system into a rest and digest state. So that's the parasympathetic state. Um, Because that's also going to really pillow you. I call it pillowing. um, Where and what I mean by that is you're literally like strapping pillows around yourself, so that when you are going through things that are uncomfortable and sticky and like ouch, you are supported and you're empowered, and you're like, nah, I've got this. My body is healthy. I'm strong. I'm fit. I've got all of these resourcing tools around me. I've got a good support network. I've attracted beautiful relationships in my life with people who know how to hold space for me in this way. I can do this. I've got this. 
So, yeah, like um, just know that it's a process. There's a few steps and don't force or push yourself into anything before you're ready because, like I said earlier, you don't want to be reactivating trauma without having, you know, the right sort of cushioning or pillowing around you. Um, and yeah, just trust your body, trust your instincts and go for it, you know, go for it, have fun. It's like, it does, it's not like a big, dirty, like emo hard thing. It's beautiful. It's, it's so beautiful to embrace your sadness and to acknowledge that your rage is so freaking holy and to step into a space of just like, radical self-empowerment and to truly feel lit up in the day-to-day because you know that you've got yourself, you know that you've got your back and you know that you can handle anything that comes at you. Mm, Beautiful. Yeah. I feel, I feel like I've had such a journey with, with this and have done quite a lot of somatic experiencing work as well, because I, you know, have quite a bit of trauma Um, in my body that really makes it quite painful and uncomfortable to be in my body. And so on my path with all of this sort of work and the sexuality work, um, that's been a huge thing for me. And I still find it really difficult. I go in and out of it and I am... I try to remind myself to implement the tools I have and sometimes I can and they're helpful and sometimes I can't and they're not. And I had a really funny moment, you know, when you're talking about just sort of being okay with like the darkness and the sadness and the discomfort and stuff uh, reminded me of just last night. So I'm, I'm about to bleed and I've been really kind of overwhelmed and stressed with a lot of things going on in my life at the moment. At the same time, super inspired and excited and feeling creative and juiced up, especially with regards to this potty. But last night I'd spent all day getting my ass whooped by technology, like just one of those times when nothing was fucking working for me. And I was going around in circles and it was really frustrating. And um, by the time my partner got home, I was just a hot mess. And and I came out of the room and he looked at me and he was like, oh, oh, like what's going on? And I kind of had a little whinge and he was like, all right, cool. Let's like, let's, let's shift this. Let's like, and he leapt into like, solution let's fix this let's change change it up kind of mode and shake it off and I was like that triggered me and I was just like oh you just can't handle my darkness right now and I like went into the bedroom and closed the door and he's teased me about it we've laughed a lot since because it's kind of a funny emo thing to say like you can't handle my darkness um and so he's been (laughs) teasing me and (laughs) regurgitating that um for giggles but it was, yeah, we, you know, that then brought on a conversation where I was like, I just want to feel shit. Okay. Like I want to, you know, I want to have a cry Mm. and like sit with that. And I did. And he was like, also really encouraging, like, you know, he laughed at me a little bit with the darkness thing, but it was just like, babe, fucking I'm here, like have a cry. And, you know, gave me a massage and helped me just drop back into my body because I was so just up in my head getting all blah, 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 blah. Um, but once, you know, I often, I cry a lot. I find that just the most, um, 
the best, my favorite tool for kind of releasing a bit of emotion and, and trauma uh, and calming my nervous system down. I actually find it's like um, unscrewing a lid and releasing the pressure. And so I fully mm. embrace having a big cry and I pretty much always feel better afterwards. And, you know, if that doesn't do it, definitely some massage or yoga or dance or going for a walk in nature. You know, I've got my little toolkit of things and it might be a bit of breath work. Um, you know, going and just seeking out like someone's company, you know, even if I, if I'm alone and I don't have my partner around or like a safe space, cause people can be really beautiful safe spaces for me. I'll just imagine myself in his arms and feel the sense of safety that that brings me to kind of bring me back into that parasympathetic space where I can then handle the emotions or the pain that's coming up um, and kind of remain in that window of tolerance. And I'm just wondering for people who don't know where to start or find it really hard to maybe give up the booze or the coffee or, you know, do an hour of yoga a day or meditate, what are some really, really practical, simple little practices or tips or things that they could start with? Because I know there's no quick fix. There's no Band-Aid solution to this, but sometimes, you know, you just need to break it down and offer something that's really accessible when people are just starting out. And I found that with my clients, if I give them home play practices, that's like, you know, an hour of self-pleasuring and de-armoring and da, 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 and they're just not there, then they're not going to do it. And then they're going to feel shit about themselves for not doing it. So I'm wondering, you know, mm. if you have any little things that might just be the perfect, the perfect place to start for somebody in that position that wants to experience more embodiment and more pleasure and maybe, you know, um, experience uh, more stability and joy within their mental health. Yeah, what what can you what can you give them? Mm, yeah, I love what you said before about I just want to feel shit. And I think mm-hmm. that that's really important. Um I feel like the first step is to actually yeah, start saying no to toxic positivity culture because <laughs> it is not human to feel happy all the time like that's just Mm. simply not a physiological reality um and I feel like we live you know whether you're spiritual or whether you're just like working your corporate job um it doesn't matter what realm you operate in it's not it's not humanly possible to do that authentically. So I would say that the best place to start is to start embracing how you're feeling in every moment without judgment, without shame. Oh, I'm feeling really sad right now. And just let it be like, you know, Mm. just let it be. And um, I had a client session earlier today and she was explaining to me how she wants to feel really powerful and like really use her voice authentically, particularly going into this new launch of her product and everything. But she was just like, something was there. And, you know, as soon as we gave her permission to just feel scared, to just go to, again, this is shadow work, that inner child part of her that was feeling sadness and grief for all the times that she didn't, stand up for herself for all the times that 
you know, she didn't assert her needs. As soon as she just gave herself permission and felt that, I'm telling you, it happened instantly. In a second, boom. Clarity, Mm. calm, harmony, spaciousness, and instant access to that power that she was longing for anyway. All she needed to do was acknowledge and go to and love up on that part of her that was feeling less than. And it was so quick and so simple. So for anyone who is listening, who's just getting started, I would say start noticing, start stepping into awareness and notice the dialogue that you have around your feelings, around your emotions. If things are coming up, just get really, really, just listen, just listen, Mm. start listening to yourself, start journaling, start writing things down, start becoming the observer of your inner mind, of your inner landscape. And then from there, you know, like I, yeah, it's like, it does, it takes, it takes, um, you know, there comes a point where you have to start taking action towards your healing Um, and you know, it might not be quitting alcohol, coffee and sugar all at once. Um, it might not be doing everything all at once, but just starting to, you know, make it a priority to put your well-being first and doing it in a way that feels good for you. So it could just be cutting down on all of those things slowly over time. Uh, you know, like it could be reaching out and working with someone like yourself or, you know, anyone, any practitioner, facilitator, reading books, just starting to really empower yourself to take action and make the changes that you're really longing for. Because again, at the end of the day, there's no one else who can do it but you. And you can sit in this place and complain about how busy you are for as long as you like. But honey, Nothing changes if nothing changes. And what you're not changing, you're choosing. Ooh, that's a one-liner if ever I heard one. I love that. What you're not changing, (laughs) you're choosing. Damn. Truth bomb. (laughs) Oh, cringe. I feel like such an anger when I say truth bomb. I've never said that before, but it it did (laughs) seem like a truth bomb. Um, Yeah, amazing. Thank you. That's fab. Um, Yeah, it's... um, it's a fucking journey, isn't it? But it's so worth it. It's so worth it. If you're just starting out and you're thinking, oh gosh, like I'm, I'm choosing this or no, like don't worry, like we all do it until we don't do it. And there's always mm. somewhere to start small and it's worth it. Um, and there's fucking resources like this, you know, this podcast and Laura's work and my work. Um, and you can always just get in touch and be like, hey, this is where I'm at help (laughs) what can I do Mm. um Mm. but now it is time for TMI we love it it's a little segment (laughs) um (laughs) that is a place to share the stories that would usually be considered too much information for public consumption, but that I would like to relabel as too much inspiration. You can thank my partner, Lockie, for that one. (laughs) Um, Because I believe that the concept of TMI is really unhelpful and it's just perpetuating the stigma and shame around sex, bodies, and womanhood. And so my intention here is to create a safe 
shame and judgment-free space to openly talk about all the TMI juiciness to help inspire and demystify and empower and help dismantle shame and taboo around things like orgasm and periods, blood, you know, sex, messiness, masturbation, fantasies. You know, you get the picture and it could be a funny story or an embarrassing anecdote, or we can get vulnerable here as well. You know, like that's really beneficial and helpful to talk about those things and and really like, I guess, shine some light on the shit that we're all going through and that we, we've all got something, you know, that's a bit vulnerable to share in this apartment. And it's really helpful for other people to hear about it. Um so that's what this segment's about. Uh, the other thing I will say, though, is that although this is something that I find really helpful and I've found it really powerful and it's been healing for me on my journey to get more comfortable with sharing openly about this stuff, it's not for everyone. And I really hate that whole peer pressure culture around being, you know, brave enough to um, do things that make you uncomfortable and break free of the shackles of your ego and liberate yourself from fears and insecurities. And like, it's, it's especially rife. I mean, maybe I'm super sensitive to it because it's so rife in the self-development and spiritual, like conscious community type circles. And I've found that it can feel super judgy and shamey and it makes you feel like you're not woke enough just because you don't want to partake in, you know, whatever it is that everyone else is doing in that circle for your own reasons. Um, And it's equally inspiring, I think, just to say no and choose not to participate. We love that too. So With all that being said, do you have a TMI story for us, Laura? Oh, I mean, I have many TMI stories. Um, I think think something that is really on top for me at the moment is, um, yeah, like sort of reestablishing boundaries in my professional life as to how much I share it personally online. Um, Mm. You know, I'm sure you experience this being a public facing and, you know, like a personal brand, essentially. Um, It does require a lot of vulnerability. uh, Mm. And I'm starting to really enjoy having my energy for myself. You know, I'm starting to really enjoy wearing my bathing suit while all of my friends are swimming naked. I'm really in a space right now where I want to keep my body and my experience sacred and private. Mm. Um, So I think that's something that's like where I'm at Mm. with it. Um, But I can share, however, a really beautiful process that I love around, you know, like getting comfortable talking about taboo things. And it's it's something that you can do like with a partner. Um, You can do it with your friend if that feels if that feels good for you. But you sit next to each other. You're fully dressed, got all these accessories on, whatever, sitting opposite one another and if and you basically go back and forth taking off something that you feel shame around so it could Mm. be I'm going to take my ring off and this is symbolizing me letting go of shame that I feel around you know discharge and my undies and you know um it could be like oh I I don't like I don't like you doing my washing because then you'll see the discharge in my undies and I really want to let that go now and then you just go back and (laughs) forth between um 
uh, yeah, between things like that to really kind of help, uh, yeah, like shine a light on these things that can be, yeah, uncomfortable and sort of like unspoken and just like awkward and weird. Mm. Um, and it's really liberating and beautiful to do with someone who you love uh, because it just inspires so much intimacy and connection and really a seeing of one another. So, yeah. Oh, I love that. I adore that. And I also completely resonate with that example specifically. Like I, I, (laughs) that, you know, like trying not to let someone do your laundry because your undies look like something got squashed and died in. Yeah. Like, I mean, (laughs) I mean, not mine, of course. No, no, no. Um, (laughs) no. (laughs) It reminds me of my friend who, um, her, she told me the story how her partner, like he was doing the washing and he like, you know, picked up a pair of undies and he like held them up and you know how it can be like a bit of sort of whitey yellow discharge that's crusted on there in like a bit of a splat and he's just held it up and going oh what happened to that guy Oh my god. Oh my god. So good. I just love I was like, I fucking adore you, Bruce. Like, shout out to Bruce, Bruce and Holly. I mean, they're not together anymore, orcs, but um, he's just the best and it's bringing humor <laughs> into something that you know people feel a lot of shame and embarrassment around, and everyone has discharge. I mean, guys have big old globs of the shit come out when they come. So yeah, and no one gets that grossed out about that. So um, thank you for that. What a what a juicy example. Okay. Literally. I hope we all feel liberated from discharge shame after this conversation. Yeah, totally. Me too. Woohoo. Well, this segment is already doing its work. And I really honor and respect where you're at with not feeling like you you know want to or need to share too much personal examples or vulnerability because so much is expected and asked of us in this space when you know you are public facing and like a lot of that kind of vulnerability is rewarded and obviously it can be beneficial because people then can relate to you and da 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 but I also feel like I really relate to being in the sort of communities that you and I probably are in where like, yeah, everyone's swimming naked and everyone's, you know, having these impromptu sing-along circles and fucking cacao ceremony every time mm-hmm. you walk out your front door. And I'm just over it. Sometimes I just cannot be fucked. And it doesn't mean that I'm not, you know, spiritual or courageous or that I'm so attached to my ego that I can't like look silly. I just don't feel like it or don't want to sometimes and I don't like being pressured or judged around that either so I really honor that you were like yeah that's where I'm at um and yet you still Mm -hmm. gave us a really fabulous example um so yeah love it love your work so I'm thinking we need to check the time yeah we should probably wrap things up soon but just before we wrap up um I'm wondering I don't know about you with your work but through my work, because a lot of it is quite similar, like sex coaching, sex education, um, talking about embodiment and self-love and self-care and all of that sort of thing. And I find that there's a lot of things that I hear from clients that come up time and time again, that they then follow up with like, oh, I know it's so weird. I'm, I'm like, I'm sure no one else experiences this. Like I'm, I, they feel like they're the only one. I often hear like, 
I feel like I'm broken or I'm not normal. And, you know, I've built that into my my like tagline and my jingle, like you're not, you're not broken. Don't panic. You're not broken because half of my job, I feel like is reassuring people that they're not broken, that actually what they're experiencing is quite common and they're not alone in it. And I'm wondering if there's anything that springs to mind in your work that you see crop up quite a lot, um, that people often feel like they are their only ones experiencing, but it's actually kind of common because I'd love to, you know, if you, if you don't have anything, that's fine. But if there is something, I'd love to like shine some light on that. Mm. Yeah. The first thing that's coming to me is female, uh, female bodies feeling, less than or broken or like there's something wrong with them because their arousal isn't the same as the male as default expectation uh, that is kind of culturally expected of them. So, you know, there are songs out there from Rihanna that say, you know, I'm always wet, like I never have to put wet gloss on it or whatever, something ridiculous like that. And, you know, there really is this like this um, culture around you know, it's, it's ideal to always be DTF and ready to go at the drop of a hat, but that's Mm. actually just biologically not accurate for majority of female bodies out there. So if you're a vulva owner and if you feel like there's something wrong with you because um, your unique arousal sequencing is different to that, you are not alone. Uh, there is uh, so much science out there explaining how radically different our bodies are from male bodies, not only physiologically, but emotionally as well. And I think that there's, you know, this is our role as sex educators to really empower women to, um, to embrace that, to embrace the fact that their bodies are different and to, to actually start standing up and saying, you know what? no, I'm not DTF. No, I'm not wet. No, I'm not ready yet. I need you to do this. Like, this is what I need Mm. to feel good and turned on and to really turn the tables and change the narrative around desire and libido and arousal. Oh my God, preach. Yes. Yes. That's the most common (laughs) one I get as well. And that is the most regular thing I teach about and reassure people about it's just yeah totally and I'm gonna I fuck I talk about it all the time I feel like people are sick of hearing about it probably in my audience but I'm still totally gonna (laughs) do an episode on it anyway because everyone needs to do it (laughs) yeah everyone needs to know cool send it to me so I can share it with my audience (laughs) all right totally I'll I'll (laughs) I'll hold you to it that'd be fabulous Um, brilliant. Thank you so much, Laura. This has been a total dream. So much fun. It's been beautiful chatting with you. And I hope that, you know, my, my new found audience for this brand new podcast is going to get a lot of juice and, um, helpful, applicable tips that they can implement in their lives. And you can also find Laura, her Instagram is underscore Laura underscore Ellen. Have I got that right? Yeah, and that's Ellen spelt with an E, E double L E N. Yes, good. Like the first name, not the surname 
with an a uh yeah and i'll put your website and any links that um you've spoken about to your courses in the show notes oh my gosh look at me go i'm gonna have show notes i haven't figured out how to do that yet but i will um brilliant Mm -hmm. thank you so much i'll hopefully have you on in a future episode but thanks for your time today laura my pleasure thanks freya thanks everyone for listening and that's it darling hearts Thank you for stopping by the Labia Lounge. Your bum groove in the couch will be right where you left it, just waiting for you to sink back in for some more double L action next time. And in the meantime, if you'd be a dear and subscribe, share this episode, or leave a review on iTunes, then you can pat yourself on the snatch because that, my dear, is a downright act of sex-positive feminist activism. And you'd be supporting my vision to educate, empower, demystify, and destigmatize with this here podcast. Also, I'm always open to feedback, topic ideas that you'd love to hear covered, or guest suggestions. So feel free to get in touch via my website at freyagraph.com or say hey over on Insta. My handle is Freya underscore graph underscore YMT, and I seriously hope you're following me on there because damn, we have fun. We have fun. Anyway, later labial legends. I'll see you next time.